Hello and welcome to another episode of Clustering Insights. Um, I'm Chris Walters, I'm the Head of Life Sciences for the UK at JLL. And today I'm delighted to welcome Charles Walford, who is Development Director and Head of Life Sciences at Stanhope. So hello, Charles, how are you? Hello, Chris. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's good to, good to be here. I hope I've got a face for radio. <laughs> no, absolute pleasure to have you. Um, obviously, we've known each other for, for a long time, but... For those who haven't heard of Stanhope and, and who they are as a business, could you just give a brief introduction of, of who Stanhope are just to kick us off? Yeah, we are a sort of 60 strong um, development and asset manager organisation um, based in London, uh, London, very London focused, but and a bit beyond. And we are known for providing good quality developments, um, we do a lot of research and innovation and we're very interested in new trends, which gets us to being very interested in life science. And the vision for, for Stanhope in, in this space, I mean, there's a number of schemes that you have that you're looking at for the life sciences sector. Um, some of those are in London, which is, I think, viewed widely as the gateway for Europe in, in the life sciences sector. But for you, is it just a London focus at Stanhope or are you looking beyond that in terms of focusing your efforts in this sector? Well, I think, um, you know, our vision is to be a leading developer and asset manager in the life science sort of sector. Um, and you're right, we are lucky to have secured um, three uh, major opportunities within the London clusters um, with a knowledge quarter at British, with the British Library project at White City and also at Royal Street, which is on the South Bank close to St Thomas's Hospital. Um, but we're not limiting ourselves just to London, or that's the market that we know best. Um, our research, and everyone knows that the Golden Triangle is a key location for um, the life science sector so we are looking at opportunities in Oxford and Cambridge along with everybody else of course with um, some degree of success um, and also beyond we're working with Bruntwood actually in Manchester um, as their yeah. sort of strategic development advisor um, so we're not just restricting ourselves to, to London I think for this market it, it actually being able to offer sort of flexibility um, between those locations is um, is probably a, 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 an advantage as well. You mentioned Manchester, which I mean, an incredible opportunity up there that you're working with the the SciTech team on. I think to build on the extension of the Oxford Road corridor there, and, and working with the university, I I know is a is a huge opportunity for growth regionally in in um, in that area. Not alone, just just Manchester, but. Perhaps just focusing on on London to to kick us off. It probably all started for you really at, at White City, didn't it, Stanhope? In terms of focusing on this sector, in terms of attracting occupiers, how many how many occupiers do you have in this space at, at White City now? I, I'm going to correct you. I don't think it did start there. To be honest, it's actually started at um, on the Euston Road um, with a project we did um, called Mapleton Place. A refurbishment of a former owner-occupier building where 
during the refurbishment, uh, an occupier came along called the Doctor's Laboratory, which we thought was an unusual entity and wanted the whole building and proceeded to fit out um, and take a long time with some very specialist equipment. And they are uh, the sort of leading sort of pathology um, entity in London. So that's triggered our interest. Why would this entity um, take space in central London for this very sort of complicated um, fit out and install this equipment and they took a reasonably long lease as well um, which interested us so that triggered our interest um, in this sort of trend and that was way back in 2014 yeah about 2014 that very quickly um, after that the British Library um, went out looking for their part for a developer partner and of course we got involved as they eventually got selected, um, but and that site um, right next door was the was this building under construction, which is the Francis Crick Institute. So we then that triggered a lot of research um, as to um, what were they, what was that all about? No one sort of everyone knew it was a big project. No one really knew what was going on there. And then uh, White City, yes, we had um, in 2015 um, after buying Television Centre, we also off the BBC we bought. Um, White City Place, which used to be called Media Village, um, which is further north up Wood Lane, but and across the road, um, Imperial were acquiring more and more land to develop their West Campus. Um, and yes, it, we suddenly realised that that was also a potential sort of, you know, emerging cluster, if you like, as well. And you're right to go back to what you were saying. We do have a number of life science occupiers. In fact, I think, you know, we're... So we've got some real first-hand experience of accommodating these guys, um, and there's a range of them as well. Um, we've got, you know, mature farmer and novartis taking uh, forty or 50,000 feet. Um, but actually, um, the, the more tricky ones to accommodate were the, the sort of spin-outs and the medium sized entities, um, companies that were like Autolus um, and Gamma Delta, who we were lucky, I think, to inherit um, from the BBC, because um, these were refurbishment projects, um, robust base buildings. They had extra sort of floor to ceiling height. They had lots of riser space. Um, we had lots of power. And so it was, um, it was tough, but we managed to accommodate them with all their requirements. And they are ranging from sort of dry lab kind of occupiers to wet lab occupiers as well. That's great. Note to self, next time, do me more research on when it all began for Stan Hope before getting on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to hear that, it, you know, that you were looking at this so early um, and sort of getting an understanding of what the emerging trends would be and how that might influence how you provide space and you just touched on the fact that at White City, you've got a range of different occupier sizes and occupier types. And I think one of the things that is very commonly talked about in, in this sector is around ecosystem collaboration um, and how important that is. So what does that mean to, to you? What does that mean to Stanhope? How are you helping those companies interact with one another um, at, at locations like White City? 
Well, I think ecosystem, yeah, it's a really kind of almost overused word, I think. Everyone talks about ecosystems. And, and I think, but I think it's, for me, it is very important, I think, in this life science sector to get the ecosystem right, I suppose. Um, because it does seem to me that having access to universities, research institutes, teaching hospitals, and where the ideas are being created, um, having physical access or proximity to those is incredibly important. And then being able to accommodate a range of occupiers from those that are spinning out of um, or coming out of those organisations wanting space that they can move straight into. Um, and then in turn, because that effectively is the talent pool, that is attracting larger, more mature farmer at one end to sort of the medium size entities who, who themselves were probably not long ago small entities um, within those organisations. So I think, you know, to put them all together um, is one important part of the ecosystem. And then there's a support around them, not only in terms of um, supporting organisations, whether they be, you know, finance, um, venture capital um, or regulatory advisors, to support the growth of companies. Um, but it's also um, creating the environment that they can thrive in and collaborate um, with others in. And so places like White City Place, where the, the emphasis on the sort of the amenity offer are really important. Um, I love an expression someone once said to me that scientists are people too, um, which means <laughs> You know, they want all the things that the rest of us want, the sort of the urban lifestyle and access to bars and restaurants, um, gyms. So providing that, as well as spaces that um, they can bump into each other um, and, and, and recreate a bit of that academic um, uh, background that they came from. Completely agree. Um, and it, it, it is great to see. I mean, I've walked um, walked the the area around White City Place and you've clearly focused a lot around amenities and, and providing for for that interaction. Um, we'll move across London now to, to one right. of your other um, main locations around um, the British Library site and you know very firmly in the heart of the Knowledge Quarter adjacent to the Francis Crick which you, which you mentioned before um, where I would like to explore now is just looking at how in that location you already have a very strong clustering of tech companies in and around King's Cross and the overlap with life sciences is already happening, whether it's um, Google's collaboration with DeepMind or GSK um, AI and that convergence of science and tech we have talked about previously on this podcast um, for sure, but I think in the context of what you're looking to achieve on your site in terms of the quantum of space and what you want to do, how is that the fact that you've got this existing heart of activity around tech and science and then an opportunity to deliver something at significant scale next to one of the strongest institutes you know, in the UK, if not Europe and, and globally in the Francis Crick, how is all of that influencing your approach to design when you're thinking about the building that you could deliver in terms of you know which part of the market should you be catering for is it one side or the other is it a is it a bit of both 
how is how are you thinking about that internally as a as a provider of space to the market? Oh, it's a really good and quite a long question, isn't it? That one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we are squeezed, funnily enough, aren't we, between that site is actually squeezed between the Francis Crick, which is, you know, Europe's largest biomedical research centre and is very much sort of life science, and the Alan Turing Institute, uh, which is on the other side, buried at the moment within the library itself, which is the UK's data science and AI uh, institute. Um, So... You're quite right to, to, to point out that there, are, there is a sort of meshing um, potentially going on here. So in, for us, um, we've been quite cognizant of all that in, in how we've um, approached the design. I mean, this raises other issues that there is no um, easy guide to go and get off the internet as to um, what is the specification of, a, of the building you want to build, the BCO standard um so we've had to do our own research um we've um we've been taken soundings from advisors who have who've been very much uh, who built labs before um and we've also spoken with occupiers to um understand what what they want when they move into you know urban environments and it's quite interesting initially when we did the research uh, that some of the advisors who've been working with sort of farmers on their owner-occupied sort of research facilities in, in remote locations um, had a very hard to sort of meet brief, basically. Um, floor-to-ceiling heights that seem to be really not achievable in city centres where we've got strict planning criteria, etc. Um, and competing land uses. So... Um, We've tried to find a model that is basically an office building at its heart, but is upgraded in its base build. So you have the opportunity to capture uh, the widest possible market, encompassing both those aspects. Uh, you know, if you like, computational science and and more laboratory-based science. Um, and we've tried to strike a sort of happy medium that we're giving something that will that will um accommodate the majority of the market but obviously not you know deeply um specialized sort of spec each spectrum each end um that they are more sort of bespoke facilities but um, at the end of the day we we're creating spec space um to to serve a, a new market um so that's how we've kind of got to it and uh, there are certain common criteria yeah there is um, you need a more robust structure you need slightly greater floor to ceiling heights than um, than offices Um, you need more rise space you need more power Um, and that all means that you have to spend a bit more on your base building to be in with a shout and through that design process as that's evolved have you seen um, sort of a more innovative approach around the design, the engineering solutions to make to try and provide this building that can be as many things as possible to as many different types of of companies. I think the reason why I asked that when I, since I started looking at this sector um, some time ago, it was felt quite rigid in terms of this is the floor to floor you need, this is the services that you need, and I think that has 
softened in some way over time as people have become more familiar with the op- the market opportunity in the UK and the type of product that we can deliver. So I'm interested to see if you've seen that sort of in the on the front line as the development director for that scheme. I imagine there's been a few turns to that design as your understanding and others' understanding of the market has evolved. Yeah, they have. Yeah, we we've been you know learning as we as we go. As I said, I think that it's been quite interesting when you um, talk to occupiers um, about what they need in terms of specification, um, because they they are so now. I say occupiers generally. I'm talking about say some of the larger um, um, pharma companies who are wanting to be in urban areas they realise that they have to compromise a little bit on their spec because they're just not going to get um, the accommodation they want. Um, so they are actually going to be more open to challenging some of their, the conventions that some of their advisors had been setting out. Well, that, that's certainly what we've seen, I think, when we've been speaking to, to occupiers as well. I think there is a difference as occupiers perhaps have been moving from out-of-town type locations and looking at more urban environments environments as you said they are it's naturally a different type of of urban landscape that they're building into and therefore there is a bit of flex around the occupational needs and there's probably a bit of a meeting in the middle between the occupier and the developer or investor in this space as we create new clusters of development in markets like London where as, as we both know and others will others will know who are tuning in that the actual existing supply of of lab space in London is incredibly low I and mean, we think it's under 300,000 square feet as of today when you compare that to other markets it's substantially higher um, so lots to lots to go at I think a lot of opportunity um, in terms of the opportunity we mentioned right at the beginning around your focus geographically about where you've been looking at opportunities there's clearly been a lot of investment activity that's that's taken place in the market last year do you feel that that's going to continue to be the same in in 2022 as investors and developers continue to try and secure product in this space well i think that it's clearly become a a focus you know many conversations we have with them potential investors you know um, life science comes up in the conversation within about 30 seconds and that's you know it's in everyone's mind the last two years of the um, of covid everyone has got a view on life science now i think they, everyone knows about life science um, but i think it's you know the worry here is is it, is it a sort of bubble you know is it um, something that's going to be here today gone tomorrow but i i I don't believe that because before COVID, when we were um, getting involved um, back in 15, 16, um, there seemed to be some very sort of global trends that that sustain that this will be um, a sector that will that will grow for the foreseeable future. And then they're, they're around, you know, demographics and um, uh and, and the problems of old, elderly populations for countries and how to keep those elderly populations as fit and productive as possible um, so that they are, you know, producers 
because of falling fertility rates at the other end, um, but also to make sure that they're not a huge drain on the state. The older the population, the greater the company's debt, uh, no, sorry, the um, state's debt. It's been growing it, and it grew, this sector grew during the, the financial crisis because, you know, disease and health just goes on. It's not attached to sort of cycles. Um, so I think it's, it's here. And I think, you know, we're lucky in the UK, we're very good at the research bits. We've got, you know, um, Oxford, Cambridge and three universities in London that are all in the sort of top sort of 10 or 15 global research universities in the world. Um, and we've always been very good at it. What we hadn't traditionally been very good at is sort of translating that um, uh, and, and um, through translation, you know, having, um, having the availability of capital to make that happen. Um, that's changed as well. So, you know, I was used to, I, I did some research on penicillin, which was obviously discovered in Paddington, but actually I think sort of commercially taken forward in America. And that was a sort of, that was a sort of typical story um, until the last sort of 10, 15 years or so. Um, so I think, uh, sorry, that's probably a very long-winded way of saying I think this, <laughs> I think it's not a bubble. I think this is very sustained going forward and look at the investment that's going in from, you know, government or governments, um, private sector, uh, universities, um, and, you know, we are spinning out so many um, small companies. And that's why the ecosystem is so important. Um, that's why you've got to, you know, you, you can, you're growing your own demand uh, 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 in one sense, uh, whilst catering for those who want to get close to the action, close to the talent as well. So you've got to create a development that kind of sustains all that. Completely agree. I mean, the, the macro picture is incredible i think for the uk and, and london firmly sits at the heart of that in terms of a lot of the growth and uh, you mentioned a few things already around employment you know, number of strong academic institutions the number the volume of companies is all going in the right direction venture capital we reference quite frequently as a house at jll amazing numbers that were raised last year for the uk we pretty much did double what we've done the year before London is a massive beneficiary of that. And as you just touched on, the those non-real estate metrics are, fuel, are fueling our traditional real estate um, reference points around things like demand and the nature of demand. And certainly since we've been looking at the sector, that's only going in one direction for London, which hopefully is a positive sign for, for you and others that are providers of space in, in the market. So share similar positive outlook. I don't think we've had a negative outlook on this podcast yet we might have one at some point but it certainly feels like it's going in the right direction um thank you very much charles for your time really appreciate talking to you today and um, i'm sure we will catch up soon thank you very much i've enjoyed it thank you